0: The Art Newspaper Weekly Podcast is brought to you in association with Bonhams, where the historic and modern are equally valued. Hello, and welcome to the Art Newspaper Weekly Podcast. I'm Ben Luke. Later in the podcast, we'll bring you news from Florida, where Art Basel Miami Beach opened earlier this week. But we'll begin this week with the old masters. One particular old master painting has dominated the art world's thoughts recently, not least on this podcast, the 450 million Leonardo. But what are the wider markets? This week is Old Master Auctions Week in London, and I'm joined on Skype by Bendor Grosvenor, an art historian, writer and broadcaster, and writer of the much-read blog Art History News. Okay, so Bender, before we go on to the sales, some important bits of news have emerged in the last 24 hours about the Leonardo first, that the Louvre Abu Dhabi will show it, and then New York Times exclusive that it's a Saudi prince that bought it. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, a great scoop by the fellow at the New York Times. Um, he was an international correspondent, isn't he, David Kirkpatrick? He's got the scoop that the art world has been waiting for. Um, <laughs> I'd love to know how he did it, because it says cryptically in the piece, doesn't it? According to documents seen by the art news. Um, sorry, documents seen by the New York Times. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it all sounds – in the piece it sounds like some sort of great piece of diplomatic uh, news or um, and it has been connected to the various sort of um, political events in Saudi Arabia. Uh, But, you know, who knows why he bought it? Maybe just like the picture. But there seems to be no record of this uh, prince buying pictures on that level before.
0: Indeed. And and I think it's also caught people by surprise because a lot of the – when the work sold – a lot of people were saying, "Well, it's very unlikely that it will be uh, a collector in in the Muslim world because it's an image of Christ; it's a Christian painting." But that this is this is sort of scuppered that view.
1: Well, you know, uh, <laughs> who knows why people uh, like various old masters? We're always trying to pigeonhole collectors and buyers and say that this person wouldn't buy that because it's that picture or whatever but you know leonardo transcends all these things um and now i i presume the prince was the person on the phone because that extraordinary last bid that went up from 370 million bucks to 400 million uh, which you know was pretty unnecessary you could have bought a whole old master sale for that uh, but <laughs> it sounds like the sort of beard of a saudi prince doesn't it sitting there um thinking
0: ah oh, chuck in another 30 million dollars and see what happens <laughs> indeed it does now i can't move on to the sales before asking you what your thoughts on on uh salvatore mundi are as in terms of its quality in terms of how it compares to other leonardo paintings
1: well I saw the picture many times when it was at the National Gallery for that wonderful Leonardo show um and I may be biased because of uh, some friends of mine were the people who discovered it back in 2005 but uh, I thought then that uh, you know some of the chat that said oh this was over restored was was not entirely fair Um, and I think it's interesting now that it's become this sort of strangely disputed picture in terms of the scholarship when in fact um, it's entirely not the case and the only thing that has changed since it's pretty positive reception in scholarly terms in the National Gallery show uh, in 2011 and now is the price. And uh, we tend in the art world to sometimes sort of be blinded by high prices. But the picture is the picture. Um, you know, Tom Campbell came out with that curious comment, didn't he? The former director of the Met said this is a triumph of marketing over connoisseurship. But actually, I think it's a triumph of both. It's a triumph of marketing and a triumph of connoisseurship. And I'm glad that the picture is now going to be in a back in museum circulation.
0: Indeed. Now. We're going to talk about some old master sales where some numbers are pretty impressive. But because, of course, there's a painting that sold for 450 million in recent history, everything that we're talking about is going to sound like pennies. But <laughs> there were some, let's begin with the Sotheby's sale um, last night. Um, I should say we're recording this on Thursday. Um, so we won't have the prices for the Christie sale, which is on Thursday night. But Sotheby's has taken place and there was a, a particularly impressive result for a right of Derby.
1: Yeah, a new auction record for, for the venerable Joseph Wright of Derby, who I think is a greatly underrated artist. I'm very pleased that this uh, – it was a lovely night picture, an academy by a candlelight. Mm. Um, and one of two versions, uh, the other one's in Yale Center for British Art. Uh, and this one was in exceptional condition. And when you stood in front of it, it's just, it just – it worked in every way that the artist originally intended. And I think it's a great example of you know a modern-looking image suiting the modern market, if that makes sense, um, because it, it was a very accessible subject, this. Uh, and the fact that it was in good condition made it a very accessible picture. So I'm not surprised it made that much money. It seems in the room, incidentally, that the bidding started way above the high estimate. So um, there was obviously a lot of competition for it.
0: That's right. So, the, so the, the final, um, well, with premium, the final price was seven point two million pounds, and it and it had an estimate of much lower than that, didn't it? Well, it well exceeded its estimate. Two
1: and a half to three and a half million was the estimate.
0: Yeah, indeed. Yeah. So can you dis- for those listeners that don't know the picture, can you describe it? Because I'm interested in this idea that you feel it has a kind of modernity that that, that makes it uh, particularly attractive.
1: Well, it's uh, it's a group of scholars and artists, I suppose, collectors. Standing around admiring a a sort of semi naked classical bust by candlelight, and they're ooing and aahing over this thing. Um, (laughs) And you know, it's sort of. Uh, it sounds a bit cheap to say this, isn't it, but it's sort of as caravagesque as British art gets, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think it was just uh, you know it's a, it's a good size, great condition, as I said uh, Wright of Derby is a painter who, when he's on form, doesn't muck about um, you know his his application of paint is very determined and colourful and bright um and i and I think it was the sort of picture that would look as comfortable in a Manhattan apartment as the Louvre
0: that's fascinating and 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 one wonders of course who's bought it if it will leave the uk might there be an export stop on this it seems like a work that should be in a museum to me
1: yes i suspect so but i actually um If memory serves, I think it was a picture which was already alerted to various museums as, you know, notification of intention to sale by the Arts Council. That's the funny formula they use, uh, which means that museums would have had the opportunity, I think, to try and buy it uh, somewhere around the mid to high estimate. But um, obviously no one made a move. And if a museum does want to try and stop it now, it's going to be much more expensive.
0: I suppose we have major right of derby group portraits in our collections in 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 the sense that there 's the Tate's iron forge there 's obviously the very famous experiment with an air pump in the national so might it be that given that resources are limited, the national and the Tate who would be these sort of obvious destinations for this work might might just not have simply might not have the funds even to even at that lower price that you you, you talk about
1: yeah it'll probably come down to whether anyone can afford it, and in the present climate probably not as you say you know Wright is reasonably well covered in uk museums
0: indeed now there's I, i'm very interested in the sotheby's sale there were two constables and i think this is a really interesting story about how we see constable today on the one hand there was an oil sketch which far exceeded its its upper estimate and then there was a finished picture which was, which sold at below its lower estimate what do you think this tells us about constable
1: Huh. Uh, well it tells us about the art market which is that art is always fiendishly difficult to value um <laughs> and when you stick these things into auction you know you're only exposing it to a handful of people at a, one day of the year and my god if you know if not everyone's on form or queuing up to buy then one picture can make far less than you think um both were lovely constables one was an early picture and you know um th- this was the one that that didn't quite match expectations but uh, maybe that was held back slightly by the fact that it's recently been elevated to constable, I think rightly. But for a long time, it was known as uh, a work by an artist called Ramsay Richard Reinagle. Um And it was this sort of typical country scene of Suffolk. Uh, now, the picture, which far exceeded expectations, was a view of the Thames looking up to St. Paul's. And, you know, this was constable at his most impressionistic, fantastically painted, exciting picture. Um, again, a new discovery but it's kind of new discovery that had crept from under the staircase. It wasn't a picture that had a baggage of of a previous attribution to deal with. Um, and the fact that it related to a large finished picture in the Tate, I think, helped. Um, uh, and again, that was a much more uh, accessible and modern subject, I think, a view of, of London and the Thames looking fantastically busy.
0: Might it also be that we're looking at Constable now with Impressionist tinted spectacles, as it were. So we we now have, whether we like it or not, Constable is seen as a sort of proto in, in his oil sketches, is seen as a kind of proto-Impressionist.
1: Yes, Possibly, although it always amazes me when you look at some of these pictures uh, you know, I I sort of try and rail against this pigeonholing we have fallen into in art history. At the view at Sotheby's, uh, not far from that constable, was a preview of a picture that's coming up in New York, um, a a work by Titian and his studio and it was, in the background, it had the most extraordinary view of Titian um, at night, Uh, sorry most extraordinary view of Venice at night, painted by Titian himself, and that was, you know just as impressionistic as any money or whatever beautiful
0: now speaking of titian uh, there was a titian in the sotheby's auction which failed to sell
1: yes a, a picture of an admiral I, I i know that picture quite well actually because it was consigned to the gallery i used to work in in london so <laughs> uh, for for many years i i um, i had that picture sort of you know sitting opposite my desk um i used to talk to it <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean to my mind i mean i I am a huge fan of Titian. I see him absolutely as uh, as great an artist as as Leonardo. What accounts for this work on the one hand being priced at one to one point five million and then not selling?
1: Well, it's uh, it's quite an academic picture, you know. It's a late Titian portrait. In fact, it's possibly uh, some scholars believe, and I think they're quite, they're probably right. It's possibly his last portrait, actually painted in the 1570s, just before he died. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe we should have been marketing this as the last Titian because that <laughs> means these days a, a bid of four hundred million dollars, only twenty minutes away. Um, but it, you know, come on. In portrait terms, we always have to remember that the. It's very subjective market and it comes down in large part actually to the sitter. And here we were dealing with a bearded, old, balded man who looked very fierce. Um, so that's not the most appealing of subjects, I don't think. Um, and it had been on the market a few times recently. Um, so uh, maybe it was a picture which just didn't quite fit the mood of the day and had a bit too much baggage.
0: Now, there was a Van Dyke in the Sotheby's sale as well, a portrait of a woman from the Genoese period, which, um, which again had a, a price that I thought was rather low, given that we know that Van Dyke's uh, full-length portraits of women are, the, in a way, the most attractive portraits to collectors. What accounts for that? particular pricing.
1: Yes, actually it was a picture from his English period and um, uh, Van Dyke uh, he was quite naughty actually. When he came to England standards did slip a bit uh, and I think he sort of um, you know, he preyed on the fact that English uh, connoisseurs weren't really very <laughs> refined. So, you know, sometimes the old studio assistant creeps into a Van Dyke English portrait like that a little bit more than when he was on the continent. Um, I thought it was, you know, it's a perfectly good Van Dyck. Uh, I don't think actually the sitter was, was as attractive as they come. Um, and again, that had been on the market uh, before, it was bought by a French collector who died, and then it was offered in Paris, didn't sell... I think, last year. And so, um, you know, it, this time it had to go. And um, the estimate reflected that.
0: The big story of the Bonham sale was a very great success for uh, the Lorenzo Veneziano crucifixion, uh, another recently emerged picture, which uh, had an estimate of 400 to 600,000, then sold for over 1.6 million. Now, that's a that, that's a, a notable success. What, what, what accounts for that, do you think?
1: Well, wow, you know, um we're always being told the old cliche in the old master market oh suppliers a problem, and no great pictures are found anymore, but you know the the sales this week are dripping with them, and that's one of them uh, you know, to find a picture like that in that good condition from the mid thirteen hundreds um uh, it was really extraordinary Bonham's st- st- played a played a great great one there, and I'm not surprised that it made one point six million
0: well i'm I'm also interested in the fact that that painting sold. At that price. And the gold ground paintings in the Sotheby sale uh, were notably at the low end or even below their lower estimates. What, what accounts for that? What does that say, if you like, about the gold ground paintings market?
1: um uh, well i'm not a, i'm not that much of an expert in them i have to say but i think it's it's fair to say the gold ground pictures have been performing reasonably strongly over the last few years and have been one of the sectors of the old master market that has you know uh made up the weight in terms of other areas falling away um so maybe the estimates this time round reflected that earlier rise um but uh, these prices, I think, always reflect one thing, and that's the fact that we shouldn't fall into the trap of trying to commodify the old master market. Um, we're, we're so spoilt with the modern contemporary market that, you know, a Warhol series of, of 20 always makes this much, and the next one will make a little bit more. Um, uh, the old master end is, is vastly different, and prices reflect
0: that. Now, Christie's auction is tonight. Um, what, what do you think are the highlights of that sale?
1: Uh, Well, they've got a nice El Greco. Um, El Greco has been performing very strongly of late. (laughs) Um, So uh, just to to cancel out what I'm saying, you know, he seems to be on the up. Um, (laughs) There's an interesting uh, Rembrandt portrait. I'd be interested to see how that performs because, again, she's not not a looker. And that's a picture which, uh, like so many Rembrandts, poor old Rembrandt, uh, the, the attributional pendulum has swung uh from a picture being endorsed as rembrandt all the time and then the rembrandt research project in the in the 1980s said entirely painted by an assistant uh, and now it's back on the block as rembrandt again so but we'll see what happens with that the estimate's 1.5 million which is you know in some respects quite cheap
0: how do you think the christie's sale compares to the sotheby's sale for instance
1: um i think the sotheby's is probably the stronger sale i mean the the, the pendulum does swing between the two Sotheby's probably um I think in both London and New York notwithstanding the recent amazing Christie's with Leonardo uh Sotheby's probably does edge it slightly in their old master departments but um you know these things can uh, a few great consignments can very easily change the balance and you know if the Old Greco soars through the roof tonight to Christie's then we'll be we'll be applauding them
0: now from what you've said it's particularly difficult to talk about general health of the old master market because uh there's so many different factors that can affect the 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 success or not of a painting but how i mean if you were to sort of say where the old master market stands today what would you say
1: well, I've always been an old master optimist. Um, uh, people will justly say, "Oh, that's because you, you know, you're a dealer or you used to be a dealer." So uh, you're always trying to big it up. Um, I don't have much skin in the game these days, I, and and I try to be as objective as possible. And I really think the old master market just plods along as it always has done. It doesn't crash down. It doesn't go roaring up. Um, I do think that we're potentially at at a you know a bit of a turning point with the they learn the Leonardo making four hundred and fifty million dollars. I don't think everybody's now going to suddenly you know see leonardo's and and other related artists making um huge figures all the time. but uh, you know it doesn't take many people to make a market go through the roof. So if that uh, Leonardo being bought by a Saudi prince for that money makes a few more people pay attention to the old master market, who knows what might happen?
0: Bendor, thank you very much. Thanks. You can read Bendor's blog at arthistorynews.com. Now to Miami. The Art Basel Miami Beach Fair opened on Wednesday and we took the chance to speak to the art market specialist Judd Tully about his impressions of the fair.
2: Hi, I'm Anna Brady, the Deputy Art Market Editor of the Art Newspaper and I'm in Miami for the 16th edition of Art Basel in Miami Beach, which is one of the three Art Basel fairs devoted to modern and contemporary art. I'm here with our contributor and longtime art market reporter Jud Tully. How does it compare to previous editions that you've been to? Uh, I, I,
3: I think it's you know it holds up well. I think the it's a very sophisticated machine, the Art Basel enterprise, and very professional and galleries have to sort of stand on their heads to get into Art Basel and there's a lot of competition and the um, constant sort of having their programs approved and so I think it stands up well one collector told me yesterday that he felt that the fair was you know, as good as, as it's ever been and um, he said it's really turning into an excellent fair um from his point of view. And um, an American collector, a well-known one, and he pointed out that he wouldn't have said that ten years ago about Art Basel, Miami Beach.
2: The sales from... We (coughs) are speaking after preview day yesterday. What sense did you get of the sales this year?
3: Um, There were... I I think there was a lot of business being done. Um, I mean, one... Someone mentioned to me, oh yes, it was very strong in the kind of you know sweet spot of $200,000 to $500,000, which sounds like a lot of money. Um, but there were also a number of sales at some of the larger galleries like Hauser & Wirth sold a, this fantastic Bruce Nauman sculpture from the early 80s of these uh, sort of... Uh, Polyurethane carcasses, wolves, and um, uh, for something like the, pr- I think it was 9.5 million is the price they gave. And there was also a Mark Bradford in the stand, a very large three panel work titled Moon Rocks, and a recent work. <clears throat> and that sold for around $5 million. It's becoming
2: increasingly hard to tell these suspiciously early sales and the way that mm. um, our PR firms are mm. now bombarding us art market reporters
3: mm.
2: with sales sales reports on the first day and within sometimes even the first hour and quite how much we can trust those as being genuine sales um, done on the first day or those as you say that have been uh, that concluded beforehand um, or at least Almost.
3: <laughs> yeah, you don't really have... I mean, if you're, re, you know, quote-unquote reporting, you don't really even have to be at the fairs anymore. You can just wait for the reports to come in and kind of, you know, churn it out um, as a, almost like a press release. But, you know, it's, 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 it's ironic because if you're actually talking to a dealer about certain works that did sell, a lot of the dealers don't want to say what the prices were because it might have an impact on a consignment from a certain owner and then the owner would then find out, oh, you sold it for, you know, $300,000 more for, than what I'm going to get. You know, I mean, it, it, it's sort of a delicate balance. And, and I think the, um, again, the way of knowing whether a fair is really successful is is hard to, to really grasp, especially in the first few hours. But... It was evident by um, just the flow, ebb and flow of collectors being led around by advisors and um, it's a major, you know, destination. Do
2: you you Mm. think that um, galleries are becoming more strategic in the way that they use art fairs? Uh, Perhaps even as a way, they're now becoming part of a works provenance sometimes uh, sometimes becoming part of an artist's CV as well as to who they choose to promote Mm. and that perhaps feeds into some of these sales reports as well saying you've done particularly well with a certain artist it's your one public moment whereas you perhaps wouldn't announce that um, in an in-gallery exhibition (coughs) through the year
3: yeah absolutely I mean on both sides I mean I've I've heard I mean I've never heard an artist actually tell me this but that some artists actually prefer to be shown in a venue like Art Basel for three or four days because of the international group of people that would see the work in a kind of cattle car atmosphere I mean I don't quite get that but that it's so important now to have a larger audience than the one that would just be coming into your gallery into your brick and mortar gallery and as far as galleries go it seems that the art fair circuit has become so crucial for just survival because the old model of the gallery with monthly shows and people coming to view and buy just is not not happening anymore and a lot of it is really um, business transacted at art fairs or contacts made at art fairs that then translate into sales later on and so um, and the huge cost of participating in an art fair also is making it much more difficult for smaller galleries to you know, profit from this to participate, and uh, I think there's a big shakeout in terms of that. Right. And and you see it. I mean, in New York, and I would imagine in London, in terms of galleries that were seemingly successful just kind of closing up or being gobbled, being you know, changing into some other format of not a brick and mortar.
2: And in terms of the artists, who Hmm. are some of the artists that everybody's talking about this week?
3: The one artist that I've noticed uh, yesterday and getting a lot of attention is uh, Derek Adams, a New York-based artist who shows at uh, Jack Tilton Gallery at Art Basel, Miami, and is having a show now in New York at their gallery. And he has this um, very... I don't know cool figurative style but it's also a collage and he uses um, objects and it's very punchy uh, work and and he's showing in lots of different venues and I, I think that increasingly artists are You know, this is the way to sort of break out in terms of getting exposure in a platform like Art Basel Miami, even though it seems rather crass and it's not exactly the most ideal place to see someone's work or to quietly take in someone's work. But I think that's um, a growing, um, you know, uh, card that the art fairs have in terms of. Not only dealers wanting to showcase younger artists, but artists wanting to get into that into that mix.
2: Mm, becoming very important for an artist's CV, as mm. as you say.
3: Yeah, it's completely I, different. It's it, you know, it, it's like uh, oh, you know, not so much a solo show, but you know, at such and such art fair. I mean, it it, it sounds. Mm. Um, it, Perhaps it,
2: it was never considered to be quite so serious in the past, but now it is. It, it's gaining. More kudos having your work shown at these larger fairs as well as as they become more and more powerful.
3: Yeah, it's 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 more sophisticated and more sort of hard boiled in a way, um, but um, it seems to be a like the auctions. Um, it seems to be a you know necessary component to uh, you know greasing the wheels of the art market. It's an so, interesting
2: point perhaps yeah. more that uh, there's more of a backwards yeah. looking gaze. Mm. It, it strikes me that mm. whereas maybe five t- or t- ten years ago mm. Mm. these sorts of affairs might have been much more speculative, yeah. there is mm. now this this um, more of a considered approach, perhaps you might call it conservative, mm. um, obviously a lot of bringing up of the overlooked artists perhaps mm. of the mm-hmm. later 20th century as mm. well and it does seem to be that a lot of that be they here a lot of Latin American modernists as well who are very much to the fore who might be lesser known on a global scale
3: yeah and, and, and that is also in terms of that kind of rediscovery um, there's an artist that uh, now shows with Hauser and Wirth, uh, Jack Witten, uh, African American painter. I mean, very well known, but never commercially um, wildly successful as he has been just recently. And there was a painting, um, it was an ode to uh, Homage to Barnett Newman. It was something Barney, that was Barnett Newman's nickname to this large scale work and that sold for $950,000 and the, one of the partners at um, Hauser and Wirth Mark Pio said that um, that's a, a new price level for Witten. You know, and that's great. I mean, this is someone who's, you know, has a huge CV but really under the radar and I think that kind of thing of trying to bring artists out it's it's sort of, you know, to be the next whoever um, yes, it was is, something. It mm-hmm. follows
2: on from the trends that we were seeing at Freeze in mm-hmm. in London in October, mm-hmm. of course. And during that, Hauser and Wirth had a solo show of Whitten's work,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which I believe was sell-out, And mm-hmm. there was generally a lot of older artists, artists in their sixties to eighties, mm-hmm. either at the fair or in shows around around the fair. Mm-hmm. And that is certainly something that we've seen coming out this this year too, um, as older artists having a moment. And is that something that you're also seeing at Art Basel and Miami Beach too?
3: Yeah, I, I think that is still... Um, you know, at one point, um, Art of works weren't that well-known beyond a certain group of collectors and... Suddenly, museum exhibitions make them more visible in the world, and then that translates into um, commercial activity. And I think that's what a lot of dealers do. They're kind of like, you can almost hear the spades hitting the, you know, the dirt Kind of digging, looking for the you know artist that has a body of work, but that has, for whatever reason, not been <clears throat> successful in the marketplace.
2: So, which booths this year have you seen that you were particularly impressed by?
3: Well, I did like uh, in terms of it was an interesting mix um, at Alice and Jacques Gallery, I think, London-based gallery, and they had. Um, a series of Robert Maplethorpe portraits of uh, de Kooning, Andy Warhol, Patti Smith, um, Noguchi, black and white, and then some works by this artist, Hannah Wilkie, another kind of lesser-known artist who sort of, you know, now that it's in a state... Um, sort of her posthumous life is if there is such a thing, is pretty strong and they sold two major works by Hannah Wilkie.
2: And if we're talking mm-hmm. about Latin American art, mm. which obviously there's been a, a large upswing in the general market mm. for that in recent mm. years, how much do you think Art Basel and Miami Beach is very much known for the amount of Latin American mm. work that is on show here for obvious geographical reasons. Mm. How much do you think that the fair could perhaps be responsible for some of the the strength and the growth in that market
3: yeah it's 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 very important and it's been growing and I think the the uh, you know the Art Basel team is very aware of that. I mean Miami is the you know whatever. Paris or New York of Latin America there's a huge amount of uh, assets that are flowing into Florida from various countries and um, and um, there are a lot of art aficionados that are shopping here and a friend of mine told me yesterday that um, <clears throat> a few years ago one of the um, major uh, dealers, um, Brent Sukuma of Sukuma Jenkins in New York, was talking about Art Basel and how they were doing. And if it wasn't for his um, uh, Brazilian artists that he was showing, that he would have had a disastrous um, Art Basel but that it was very strong and that he actually hired someone who spoke fluent Portuguese to be on the stand. And you see that now, too, in terms of um, more, you know, at galleries where you see young, you know, Asian gallerinas or young assistants sort of on duty because that is now attracting um, you know a wider global audience
0: and that's all for this episode you can read more about art bars on miami beach online at theartnewspaper.com where you also find sales reports from all of this week's major auctions if you like the podcast please subscribe and if you're feeling generous post a rating or review you can also let us know what you think on Twitter or Facebook at the Art Newspaper and follow us on Instagram at theartnewspaper.official. See you next week.